Good morning. Good morning. So good to see you. I am delighted that you're here today and worshiping with us online. I just returned from a week to British Columbia and Montana, where the morning temperatures hovered right around 25 degrees. Yeah, it gave a whole new meaning to the phrase "the frozen chosen." It is nice to be back in warm Florida. So I understand we had our first noontime concert last Wednesday. The Key Corral Chamber Singers inaugurated this amazing program. They blew the roof off the chapel. Hope you that you won't miss the next one, which is November 10th. And I don't know if any of you watched online before we got going here, but we had that quartet over in the nine o'clock service. So when we were just online, there was a singer there, Robin Rockland. She's an alto. She was there for a whole year, and she's going to be part of this next、um, program that we have. So, if you enjoyed her music, it will be great.、Um, November tenth, ten dollar ticket gets you lunch in here, and then the concert. Next Sunday, you can get your blood pressure checked in the chapel reception room. We have a Kay Smith who worships in this service. Is Kay here today? This is great. She's a nurse practitioner, and it's a gift that she wanted to give to her church family. And so, a little bit before this service, and a little bit after this service, you can go do that with her. And it's just、um, something she's going to offer once a month. Isn't that great? Someone just on her own, like we didn't ask her to do that. She's like, "I've got this gift. I can give it back." So appreciate that from Kay. We are about ten days away from our annual chili cookoff. So tell me, can you cook a mean pot of chili? Someone's raising up someone else's hand. Can you eat chili? Let's yeah. See, we need both eaters and chili makers. Let us know if you can come. Call the front office or、um, go online to register. Even if you're just coming to eat, so we make sure we have enough bowls and chairs and all that sort of thing. It is Wednesday, October 27th, from 5:30 to 7:30. We ask that you would keep our middle school and high school students in your prayers as they are traveling back today from a fall retreat. Just that they have a safe journey back to us again. And finally, All Saints Sunday is November seventh. So we'll print a listing、uh, for us of all the people who have died since last year, so that we can have a special time of prayer and remembrance. If you have someone in your family who is not a member and you would like to have them included, please let us know by November first. And we're looking for anyone from who has passed since November first. 2020 up until November 1st. So、um, let us know so that we can be in service and in prayer for each other on November 7th. That's all the announcements. So I'd like to invite you to stand up and say hi to some people. Move around, and we'll get going.
depths of the sea Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God All-powerful, untamable Struck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go all seen heavenly storehouses laid in the snow Who imagined the sun and gave source to its light Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night None can fathom indescribable Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. Amazing God Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God As we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God Incomparable Unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart. Love me the same. You are amazing, God. You see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You are amazing, God.
thousand stories of what they think you're like But I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am And I've seen Many searching for answers Far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am Cause you're perfect in all of your ways You're perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us You are perfect in all of your ways Hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still as you call me Deeper still and to love, love, love your good, good time who you are, who you are, who you are, I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am. Thank you. Thanks. You may have a seat. I noticed in the back, we're not raising our hands, but we got a good Presbyterian sway going on. So well done. So we are at this time in our worship where we get to um, worship God with our tithes and our offering. And you may have noticed as you came in, there are baskets on the tables. Feel free to use those or to give many of the ways that we show on the screen uh, to give online. We are at that point in our service where I'd like to invite the mic runners. Johnny on the spot, thank you for being right here right now. 
Hi, Sam. Good to see you. Um, and we are going to do our time of prayers. So if you would introduce yourself, please. Uh, hi, my name is Sam. I am probably the only person that didn't go with the rest of the youth on the retreat. Whatever. Or the other ones that didn't go slept in this morning. So you get double points for being here. So thank you, Sam. We're glad you're here. And maybe one and a half. One and a half points. Extra credit. That's good. You're going to get to heaven for sure. I'm no doubt. And... And I am Matt Liddell. I am the Director of Digital Ministry, and uh, I'm back there in the booth, and I have not been in high school for a very long time. Nice, but this is the nice young man that you get to work with if you're willing to volunteer in the booth. He doesn't look scary at all, so you can put your hand up and you can go see him afterwards. He's actually a pretty great guy to work with. So... Now is our time where we get to hear our prayers of concern and our joys, um, so we can be praying for each other this week. And as usual, we will respond with, Lord, hear our prayer, and to remind you that there are prayer cards in the back, so if there's something that is personal that you would like to be prayed for, please write that down, and we'll be praying during the week. How can we be praying on this day? I would like to pray for a lot of the college freshmen that are, you know, even from Church of the Palms and elsewhere, just they're struggling to find their place, they miss their friends from home, they see a lot of junk, and um, I guess my prayer is that they would just take a minute to realize that it's not fulfilling, it's not satisfying the stuff they see, and yeah. start searching for church or community yeah. or Bible study to, um, that they just get directed in that way. Absolutely. Just to get regrounded yeah. again. Thank you for that yeah. reminder. Um, so mine is going to be, a, is a senior this year. You've got a freshman and what's Cal, a junior? He's a senior. He's a senior too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so, yeah. um, but just for, freshmen are just but the, smart. right. They're, out there for the first time. And so thank you for that reminder. And we will be praying for all of those college kids, those who have gone to our church and those who we don't know. Lord, hear our prayer. How else can we be praying on this day? I heard on the news those missionaries in Haiti who were um, captured by the, um, some gang members and so I hope that we can keep all, there were children as well as adults that are, I don't, at least when I left this morning, we didn't know their whereabouts or how they were doing. So if we could pray for not only those missionaries, but all missionaries around the world. Lord, hear our prayers. Anything else? All right, friends, let's go to God in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful to be protected by your strong arms. We know there are times, Lord, when we feel alone. Perhaps we have turned away from you. Perhaps something has gotten in between us. We just pray, Lord, that we sense your presence, that we believe the truth and the promise that you are always with us. And Lord, we pray that you would use each one of us to be comfort, to bring joy, to bring listening and understanding, 
kindness and care into your world that you love so much. We give you the prayers that were named today and the ones that are still on our hearts, Lord, to your good keeping. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, looking forward to my, you know, my premiere on the stage where I get to use a mic like this, you know, <laughs> do the mic drop and the whole bit. So anyway, uh, my name is Steve McConnell, and I am one of the pastors here, and it is my joy to highlight a couple of Thanksgivings um, that I was able to share with our 9 o'clock service. Uh, Thanksgiving number one is we're looking forward to homecoming Sunday, and uh, that's going to be a time when we seek to gather up the family of Church of the Palms, and it's what we do every fall. Uh, but this is a significant one, isn't it? Because uh, we've been scattered about for a long time, and we're looking forward to welcoming as many people back as possible on the 14th of November. And you have a role to play in that. We would love for you to be thinking about people you haven't seen for a while. Folks that, you know, perhaps uh, because of COVID or whatever are just pretty well tucked away. And, um, and we would love for you to do two things. One, reach out to them and say, hey, miss you. How are you doing? Uh, what can I pray for? How can I be a support to you? Number one. Number two is uh, let them know about Homecoming Sunday, November 14th, and say, hey, maybe now's the time to come back and join us uh, at Church of the Palms. Um, you know, vaccinations are up and infections are down, and um, we hope that maybe people will feel more free to come and join us then. So that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, we are so grateful for your generosity over these many, 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 many months of COVID. You have really stepped up to the plate and have really helped us to be very faithful in our response to the community. The community's been quite stressed through COVID and we have been able to manage to um, minister to their needs in so many different ways. Uh, as we head out toward the end of the year, uh, we are looking ahead at a pretty stiff goal of getting to the end of what we were budgeting for this year. So keep that in mind as you as you consider your generosity uh, throughout the rest of this year, uh, that we may continue strong in our efforts. And then thirdly, my thanksgiving is to be able to introduce to you our new friend, Dr. Cleo LaRue. Dr. LaRue is the um, Francis Landy Patton Professor how often do you have to say that? I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, he is the Francis Landy Patton Professor of Homiletics at Princeton Theological Seminary. And you may ask the question, what is homiletics? And homiletics is preaching. He is the professor of preaching at Princeton Seminary, and he has been so for the last 26 years. And Dr. LaRue has preached from coast to coast around the world, and uh, he has been a teacher of preachers for all those years. And we had the chance just yesterday, our staff, along with pastors throughout the area, to uh, sit at his feet as we uh, went through a preaching workshop with him over at Light of the World Church, and it was just a joy. Uh, this man is such a great teacher, uh, and I know you will know shortly what a great preacher he is. So I would like to give you the opportunity to welcome him with your applause. Would you come on up? Dr. 
Good morning to you. Our scripture lesson is found in Luke, the 16th chapter, verses 19 through 23. They read thus. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was being tormented. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The scripture I have just read in your hearing is not about hell. It mentions hell, but hell is not the focus of the story. Jesus did not tell this story about a rich man and a beggar to scare us out of Hades or to scare the Hades out of us. He did not tell it to suggest what kinds of people go to heaven and what kinds of people go to hell. Uh, nowhere in Scripture does Jesus suggest that uh, being wealthy in and of itself guarantees hell or being poor guarantees heaven. Jesus did say that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it was for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God because Jesus knew that there would be some wealthy people who would be more inclined to trust in their riches than they were to trust in the reign and rule of God upon this earth. So this is not about hell. It's not the focus of the story. Secondly, Jesus, the historical Jesus, was not the first one to tell a rich man beggar story. Rich man beggar stories existed in early rabbinical literature and ancient Egyptian papyri long before the time of the historical Jesus. So the question becomes, <clears throat> why did Jesus pick up this story and put his particular spin on it? Well, Jesus picked up this story to correct wrongly held assumptions about wealth and God's favor. That's why he's telling the story. He wants to correct wrongly held assumptions about wealth and God's favor. And the next question should be, well, to whom is he speaking? Well, he is speaking to his disciples, but he is also speaking within hearing distance of some religious people. And these religious people considered themselves to be in the know. So Jesus picks up this story to correct their wrongly held assumptions. What was their assumption? There were people in that day who believed that wealth was a sign of God's favor. They believed that if you had pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps, you had money in the bank, you were well off financially, everything was going well in your life, 
with respect to money, that was a clear sign that God was smiling on you. And conversely, they believed that if you were struggling to make ends meet, if you were living from hand to mouth, from paycheck to paycheck, that that was a sign that God was frowning on you. So Jesus picks up this story to correct that wrongly held assumption. He begins with the rich man. The rich man said Jesus was richly housed, was richly clothed. That's where I want to start. The rich man was richly clothed. The KJV said his outer garments were made of wool, wool and dyed in purple. Whenever you see purple in scripture, that is a sign of royalty. His inner garments were made of fine Egyptian linen. Some commentators say Jesus is having a comical moment here because what Jesus is really saying is that his underwear were made of fine Egyptian linen. Let me get the city straight. He didn't just walk downtown to Sarasota to buy his underwear. No, he had them FedExed in from Egypt because he didn't want just anything next to him. The rich man says Jesus was richly housed. When Jesus speaks of the rich man's house, he speaks of gates. And whenever we think of gates, we think of porticos and palaces, grandeur and splendor. We think of safety and security from the riffraff of society. Jesus said the rich man was richly fed. He fared sumptuously every day. The rich man knew how to party. I just imagine in my mind he was a connoisseur of fine wines and he had an appreciation for delectable delights. And as long as you have something to party on, you'll have somebody to party with. But as soon as own runs out, with is not far behind. And so as Jesus talked about this rich man, you could just see those religious people who believed that wealth was a sign of God's favor. You could just see them nodding, saying, oh, yes, that's what God will do for you when God is smiling on you, yes. And then Jesus turned his descriptive powers to poor Lazarus. And there we see a gaping, ghastly contrast. Lazarus was a poor, sick beggar with a bad skin disease. He was so sick that he did not have the strength to walk to the rich man's gate. The Bible says that his friends took him and laid him. One version said dumped him at the rich man's gate. He was so sick that he did not have a decent set of clothes to cover his ulcerated body. So sick that the dogs came to lick his sores and poor Lazarus did not have the strength to shoo the dogs away. And as Jesus talked about this poor beggar, you could see those religious people who believed that wealth was a sign of God's favor. You could see them all frowned up. Well, what do you expect from a lazy, poor, shiftless, stinking, sick beggar? Surely God is frowning upon him. And Jesus could read their inner thoughts. And no doubt some of them were asking, what did he want at that rich man's gate anyway? He had no business at that rich man's gate. And Jesus answered them by saying, all he wanted was the bread scraps that fell from the rich man's table. And the old German former critic, J.O. King Jeremias, he gives us insight into those bread scraps. He says, at that day, 
when people sat at party, they would take bread and dip it in the sauce, dip it in the sauce, and that little bread caught between their fingers, they would throw it underneath the table. Get another piece of bread, dip, dip, and eat, and that little piece, throw it underneath the table. And when the party was over, the help would come in, and they would sweep up those bread scraps and throw them away. And Jesus said, that's all Lazarus wanted, was the bread scraps that were going to be thrown away. I said earlier that the old black preachers in Texas where I grew up, they used to say when they were telling this story, all Lazarus wanted was the teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy, lun-bitty, teeny crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And says Jesus, poor Lazarus died, and he was carried away by the angels, carried away to be at Abraham's side. Jesus has their attention now, because that's not the way they thought the story was supposed to end. The, the, the beggar at Abraham's side, for in Jewish law, when you were believed to be at Abraham's side, you were considered to be in a state of eternal blessedness. And he has their attention, but Jesus kept on talking. Poor Lazarus, we have no indication of a funeral. No doubt some unnamed, unknown buried him in what we would today call Potter's Field. Jesus kept talking. He said, the rich man died. And oh, I imagine in my mind on the day of the rich man's funeral, they closed up town so that everybody who was anybody could be there. No doubt the mayor was there. The governor was there. His cadre of rich business friends who were not known to frequent the synagogue, they were there stumbling around looking for a special seat. The rich man's funeral was filled with pomp, pageantry, and circumstance. But of the demise of the rich man, Jesus said, in hell, in Hades, in the abode of the dead, he lifted up his eyes. That's right. The rich man ends up in hell. But that is not the focus of the story. The focus of the story is this. God sees things differently. God does not see things the way we do. That's the point. And it is true that sometimes we can think we are doing God's will and be so far off base that it's not even funny. So this is something we need to remember, not just in matters concerning money, but throughout the whole of our lives, through every facet of our lives. We need to remember that God sees things differently. So these things that we care about so deeply, pursue so passionately, believe in so doggedly, these things that claim so much of our time and energy and attention, these things to which we aspire to, that we hope to attain every now and then, we ought to stop and ask ourselves, I wonder if this stuff that matters so much to me, I wonder if this stuff matters to God. I grew up, and born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas, on the Gulf of Mexico. And there was a wonderful man in our town, I'll call him Mr. Will, wonderful man, but he had an inferiority complex. He believed that he didn't measure up to other people. He was always trying to prove that he was just as big as the next fellow. He had a wonderful little business. He'd go down to the bank and borrow too much money and have trouble 
paying it back. He wanted to ride around town in a luxury car. He bought a used luxury car, but he didn't have the money to keep it serviced. So in that Texas heat in the summertime, he'd roll, ride around town with his windows all rolled up because he didn't want us to know he couldn't fix the AC. He just had this complex. And he retired, and he moved to the piney woods of East Texas. And some of us who had been boys under him, we thought so much of him. We went to see him one day. And I will never forget what he said. He said to us that he felt his life had been a failure. It shocked me. He felt his life had been a failure. For he learned too late in life that things that mattered so much to him mattered so little to God. My goodness. And I thought, oh, how sad to attach worth and value to something only to discover too late in life that it did not matter to God. What a pity to be consumed by stuff that no longer counts, caught up by stuff that has long since been discounted by God. How sad to believe you are thinking rightly about something only to discover that God did not see it that way. So then the question becomes, well, preacher, how do you know when you're seeing it God's way? Well, you probably won't like my answer because I believe that God's will is difficult to discern. God's will is hard to know. And I know, I know some, and you probably do too, I know some people who go around boasting about how well they know God's will. Oh, honey, when it comes to God's will, oh, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I say, well, you know too much because God's will is difficult to discern. God's will often involves paradox. It often involves reversals. It often involves a radically different way of seeing and doing and loving in the world. God's will is difficult to discern. How do you know? Well, when you're trying to know it, at least ask yourself these three things or be guided by these three things. Seek the enlightenment of Scripture. And approach whatever it is with clean hands and a pure heart. And then, as John Calvin says, learn to trust the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit to guide you into the ways and thinking of God. Ah, secondly, Jesus told this story about a rich man who ends up in hell because he wanted all of us to know that there comes a time in every situation when it's too late to do better. Too late to make a change. Too late to do it God's way. Too late to change course. There comes a time in every situation when it's too late to do better. Jesus wanted those religious people who were listening to him to know that they not only had a chance to know better, but they had a chance to do better than the rich man. But it would not last always. For there comes a time in every situation when it's too late to do better. Oh, my brothers and sisters, this is not a story about hell. This is a story about lost opportunities to live life according to God's plan. Look at the rich man. Being rich was not his sin. It's not a sin to have money. Money complements my spirit. I feel better when I have some money. But he passed up every opportunity to live his life according to God's plan. 
If only the rich man had asked himself, why has God been so good to me? Why has God so often blessed so many things that my hands have undertaken to do? Why has God been so good to my family? Why has God been so good to my children? Surely God has blessed me for something more than throwing all-night parties and buying fancy underwear. Maybe, just maybe, someone would have said to him, Mr. Rich Man, there's a beggar outside your gate. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. Tell me what? Maybe God is trying to tell you that creature comforts, worldly gain, and material success are not the only things that matter to him. Maybe God is trying to tell you that your bling-bling and your Benjamins, your jewelry and your money are not the only things that matter to God. Love of neighbor, kindness to strangers, duty and responsibility to others, these things also matter to God. The fair and just treatment of all people, the love of all creatures great and small, a healthy concern for the environment, these things also matter to God. God knows God's will is difficult to discern, and because of that, every now and then, God comes along into our lives, and he opens a window of opportunity to show us his will, a window of opportunity. I did not say door. If I said door, do you think you had all day to sashay through it? It's a window, and it doesn't stay open long, and you have to step through it. That was this woman, and I'm through, and this, this is a true story. That was the woman who lived 40 miles up the coast in a town called Aransas Pass. And she became a single parent through no fault of her own, five children, and she had to find a job somewhere. So she became a domestic for this wealthy white lawyer. This is true. She started working to clean this lawyer's house. And she got it in her mind that God was telling her to go to this lawyer and ask him for a raise. So one day she got up the courage and she went to this wealthy lawyer and she said, Sir, God told me to come and ask you for a raise. He said, I don't care who told you to come. I'm not giving you a raise. She said, Well, I'm going to go home and tell God on you. He said, Well, wait just a minute. He said, I will not give you a raise. He said, But I, I, I will pay your way to nursing school. He said, Because you can do better than cleaning my house. I'll pay your way to nursing school in Corpus Christi. She said, oh, no, sir, I, I can't go to nursing school. I have five children. I have no one. He said, on the nights you go to nursing school, I will pay for the babysitter. God was trying to open the window, and she didn't see it at first. She, she said, I can't go, sir. My old car won't make it 40 miles down the coast. He said, on the nights you go to school, you can borrow one of my cars. Well, that woman stepped through that window and went to nursing school became a wonderful nurse and served that town for over 40 years. My goodness, she stepped through her window of opportunity. And you know who else stepped through that window of opportunity? That wealthy lawyer stepped through his window of opportunity. And God sought blessings in both of those lives. You know, we also say in Texas <laughs> that opportunity has a long braid in the front and is bald-headed in the back. And if you don't catch it coming, you cannot catch it going. Don't miss your opportunity to see God's will in your life. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for every way of life being as well with us as it is. We pray for your guidance and your direction each and every day of our lives. 
show us the way. Show us what you would have us to do. Show us the kinds of people you would have us to be. And help us to respond to your initiatives in faith, trusting, and believing that this is your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Child of 
just heard so now we know better so we can do better may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes the love of God reflected in your hands the wisdom of God reflected in your words and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe and all God's children said amen, amen.